Welcome to Hope Church. If this is your first time here, I'm so glad that you could join us this morning. Uh, my name's David Mathis. Uh, I'm one of the pastors. We have co-pastorate here, uh, Ruben Barbosa. Uh, we'll be teaching our Spanish service in the next hour. Um, God is doing something cool here in that he has called us to be one family, one church, uh, but with two languages in the one hope of Jesus Christ. So thrilled for what God is doing in this place. This morning I want to talk about real hope. Hope is uh, the namesake of our church, so it's a good thing to talk about. Um, what, what makes up the hope of our lives right now? When we think of, of, of what we're putting our energy into, what we're pursuing in our lives, what are the things that we're hoping for right now? I know in my life that has changed over time. Uh, the things that, that I'm working towards, some things, uh, big goals far off in the future, some things just in, this, in the current week or in the current day, to get, to get done. I know my kids, uh, the, the extent of their hopes don't go far beyond what they can accomplish in Fortnite or may, maybe there's a little bit more, but, but we grow up and, and, we, and we gain these, these uh, larger goals and hopes and dreams that we want to accomplish. I know when we first were looking at getting into a house, um, that was a hope. What are we spending our lives doing? Where are our efforts going? I know at work, sometimes I can get caught up so much into whatever that project effort is, I have to sit back and wonder, what, what, am, I, what am I doing this for? And I can look just immediately there. Well, we want to accomplish something within our business. Okay, that's great. Well, well what am I doing that for? Well, I, I want to be successful in this business. What do I want to do that for? Well, I need to earn money. Um, what, what ultimately are the hopes that are, that are underneath what, what we're doing? And what are we looking for in life? I think ultimately it, it comes down to wanting to enjoy life. Want, wanting to be, uh, some of the words you might hear is, is uh, financially, uh, what would it be? Financially secure. Um, or maybe you want your name to be known. Uh, you you want to leave an impact on the world and, and, and to be known in that way. Or maybe, maybe you just, there's things that you really enjoy and, and satisfying that particular appetite is something that is what you want to get out of life. Um, do we find ultimately the things that we're pursuing satisfying? I think, and this is a biblical truth, that there's a deception to those things that we desire so much because they promise contentment and fulfillment. And yet we go through a pattern over and over again of, of reaching and working towards that thing only to then have that replaced by another thing and not really gaining what, what we were hoping to have out of what, whatever the thing was that we were pursuing. And so things that promise hope, that promise that, that it's, gonna, it's going to give me a life that's satisfying, give me whatever it is I'm looking for to be fulfilled, um, at the end of the day, may, maybe I, I, can, I can really dig in and work towards something and get that accomplished, but then I look at the relationships around me and I've got brokenness there. I look at 
just in myself, there's, there's an emptiness there. Is it really satisfying the things that we're looking for in life? I can tell you in the Old Testament, uh, there's a story about a man named Solomon, you might have heard of, uh, king of Israel, who had pretty much had everything, everything that we could hope for out of life. Riches, experiences, uh, he, he had influence and power and, and everything. And, and in Ecclesiastes, he just talks about how all of it ultimately is vanity. What could be hoped for out of all of those things was not satisfying. What does the world tell us? The world tells us in, the, in its great wisdom, ultimately, and this is something that, that maybe some of you still take to heart. Be true to yourself. When I'm looking at what I'm going to get out of life, be true to yourself. Believe in yourself. You can accomplish anything if you just believe in yourself. And we dig into ourselves to find that sustenance of, of what's needed to, to finally get satisfaction out of life, to, to mend broken relationships, to, to get to where we have comforts and, and whatever it is that's going to satisfy, that, that we're pursuing, whatever our hopes are, we're looking into ourselves for that. And there's two different philosophies of that that I have seen, at least. I think there's more. But one is that it's that believe in yourself. So I'm going to look into myself to find the sustenance uh, to accomplish those things. That my source of hope is in myself. And the other one is still a, a self-oriented thing, but it's saying that all this conflict that I'm dealing with in the world, every, everything that's coming at me, um, I'm going to just empty myself so that now I, I'm at peace. I now have peace within myself because I'm just going to empty myself. And then I run into the next conflict and all that comes crashing down again. I tell you a truth from God's word is that real hope is not found in myself. And something that goes against what most of the wisdom around us would say, but, but real hope that doesn't disappoint is not found in myself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, what we have to celebrate this morning. God, I pray that as we look into your word, that you would, by your word, show us what real hope is. Because God, when we really take <laughs> when we really look at the substance of our lives, it isn't all what we want it to be. Broken relationship, if it's not in our immediate relationships, it's not far. God, there's, there's brokenness all around us. There's brokenness in our world. It's obvious that this world around us needs hope. We need hope in our own lives and in our own families. So God, teach us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So real hope is not found in myself. See, we were created in God's image. It says that at the beginning of this book in chapter 1. We were created in God's image. And, and what that means is that we were created, the, the reason that we exist, the purpose that we exist, is to display God's glory and his character. 
But there's a problem. We don't know God. If, if my purpose in life is to reflect and, and to display God's glory and character, but I don't have a relationship with God. In fact, we are enemies with God. We, are, we come into this world as enemies of God. And, and when we're frustrated with trying to find satisfaction in the world around us, there's a fundamental issue. It's that what we were designed for, we're not living in. There's a real hopelessness that we have because of our broken relationship with God. Why we exist needs a relationship with God. It needs to know God. And until we get that, we're in a hopeless situation. And it's actually truly a hopeless situation once you open God's word and you see the full extent of where we're at. Because we all will stand one day before this holy God that we come into this world not knowing. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it's appointed to man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That is the truth of God's word. And paired with that, if you look with me in Romans 3.23, is this plain truth. It says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. So there is real hopelessness. And we don't, the world doesn't know the situation that we're in. All, all of the issues that we run into of not being able to find satisfaction, going from one thing to the next, nothing having real sustenance to the hope that we're holding on to in one case or another, are just symptoms of a root issue. And the root issue has to do with the relationship between us and God the real hopelessness in our life. So we've all sinned. That means, that means every, take the most saintly person you can think of. Some of us might think Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa also has sinned before God. She has fallen short of his glory. Our purpose is to display the glory of God. She has fallen short of his glory. All of us have sinned before God. We've rejected God. We've rebelled against God. And there's going to be a day of judgment. And, it, and it's not a pretty picture that the Bible outlines for what we can expect. It says everyone's going to, going to rise from the dead, good and bad. And those righteous to, to heaven, eternity with God. And those unrighteous to eternal suffering. That's what the Bible teaches. That's a very hopeless situation. except that God has provided real hope. And that's what unites this body. That's why we celebrate this time of year. The most well-known verse, many of you probably have it memorized, but maybe we've, we've over-memorized it so we don't really grasp the, the, the meaning fully that's there and just the, the glory of the verse is John 3.16. This is God's plan of hope for us. It says, for God so loved the world. He loved the world, the world that has rejected him. 
Another part of Romans, it, it says, even while, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came to a world that had rejected him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, the son of God, who was there before the foundations of the world. God sent his son on a mission to earth to put on humanity, to put on our weakness, to walk as one of us, to experience the same temptations, the same weaknesses we do, and yet without sin. And God's plan this week, as, as we've contemplated from, from the, the triumphal entry of, of last Sunday and now the events that happened when Christ was on this earth, this was the end of his life leading up to his crucifixion. And now today we celebrate his resurrection. Every event, every moment, down to every hour of every day, God had planned ahead of time. This was... This was God's plan to save mankind, to bring real hope to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So when judgment day comes, we would be counted righteous, why? Because of our own righteousness? Because we have earned a place among, among the brothers, among the saints? No. Just by faith, taking on the righteousness of Christ so that when we stand in judgment, we are counted righteous because we're in Christ. That's God's plan of hope by faith. So real hope it's not found in myself. Real hope is possible by Christ's death. Only possible by his death. So how do I attain this, this salvation? Said so It's by faith. How, how does that work? What does it actually look like? Um, again in Romans. I'm going to be st sticking around in Romans for the most part today. Uh, go with me to chapter 10 and verse 9. Gives us a real practical picture of what that looks like. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. What, what does that mean? That means me putting all of my hope in Christ. That's faith in Christ. That's, that's no longer counting on myself for any kind of righteousness. Not, no longer counting on myself for experiencing real life, for the fullness of life. It's no longer counting on the things around me in the world and what the world has to offer. It's my whole hope in Jesus Christ. That's, that's faith in Jesus Christ. That's him, Lord of my life. Declaring him Lord, believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about how incredible that is, God raising him from the dead and, and how we share in that as believers in Christ. That's something as we've been going through Ephesians as a church recently, uh, we've been able to see a little more of the fullness of what that means, our participation in that. We'll talk a little more about that this morning. So what does that change? 
What does that change about my life? Well, if all of my hope is in Christ, that changes everything. It should change everything. What am I looking for through my job? What am I looking for in my family? What am I looking for in my relationships? And, and even just in, in my recreational activities, what, what is the thing that I'm looking for most? Well, my hope is fully in Christ. Everything else is second to that. And in that, we experience real life and joy in Jesus Christ. Can you roll the, uh, roll the video? We actually have somebody here as a guest, I'm not gonna point them out, who took a lot of these pictures. Um, th these are pictures from the last few years of baptisms uh, from our sending church. Um, and you'll see in here, there's, there's kids being baptized, there's adults being baptized. What's baptism? Dunking all these people in the water. What that, what's that all about? And why is everybody so excited? You get joy and tears and, and, and people gathering around to see. And at this event, there was a whole group of people on the other side of the river. Just, I wish we had a picture of that too. Um, baptism. What is baptism about? God has given us two ordinances. He gave us communion, which we celebrated for the first time as a church uh, some weeks ago. And, and that in communion, we remember his death. We remember his sacrifice. Remember his, his blood spilled, his body broken for us. In baptism, what are we doing? It's given to us as, as believers to follow Christ in baptism. And baptism is a symbol of a real baptism, a spiritual baptism that has happened on the inside. We'll keep those rolling. And while they're rolling, turn with me to Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. It says, Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This time that we've been looking at, the Christ uh, approaching the cross, being sacrificed on the cross, then buried, and then today celebrating his, his risen Savior, baptism is saying, I am putting my faith in Christ, and I am following Christ in his death. I am being buried with Christ. That water, you could say, symbolizes dirt. I'm being buried with Christ. And, and my old self is being put to death. I, God says, count, uh, count your sinful flesh as dead. If he says count that as dead, then, then I'm going to count that as dead. And he says, you're, you're now dead to sin and alive to Christ. So when we're, when we're coming up out of that water, it's symbolizing Jesus risen. And the power of Jesus risen now living within us. The water also symbolizes the judgment of God. We see that throughout, uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, when, when God destroyed the world by flood, Noah and his family were brought through God's judgment into salvation. 
We saw Israel, as, as God was saving them out of Egypt, God led them to the Red Sea. And there they were with their backs against the Red Sea with the Egyptian army coming out. And then God saved them through the water of the Red Sea. And God's judgment of the Red Sea then destroyed the armies of Egypt. We saw that with Jonah. As, as Jonah disobeyed God, and where did he go? He was thrown into the water. And, and Jonah then gives us a sign of of God's salvation that he would have through his son because Jonah went into the water and for three days he was there and then he came back out again. And even in 1 Peter, it, 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 it looks at, at Noah and the flood and says, uh, this is, uh, how, how does it say it? I want to say it correctly. It says, uh, baptism corresponds to Noah's family coming through the flood. The water is a judgment. So then what, it, what is baptism then? It's us being buried with Christ. It's us in Christ going through the judgment of God and coming out the other side, our old self put to death and by, by Jesus' righteousness and by Jesus' power raised to new life in Christ. What an incredible picture of the truth of what God has done in the heart of a believer who has put their faith in Christ. This hope that we have in Christ is not just an eternal hope. For sure it's an eternal hope because we have been made right with God. And, and when we do stand before him in judgment, we'll have the righteousness of Christ. So where do we go? We go to eternity with him. But here's the really cool thing. Well, that's cool too. But the really cool thing is that the power of God is working in us now. The hope of God in, in reality, in truth, when we put our faith in Christ, the, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And we need to understand that. that turn with me to Romans chapter 8. In verse 10, it says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, that's that body that we count as dead, uh, buried with Christ, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised, Christ, raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We can have real life, the life that God designed for us to have. We're not going to have it perfectly now because we do deal with sinful flesh. We will until we die. But what this is saying is that once we put our faith in Christ, the spirit of God comes into our life. And empowers us to have real life. That means all those things that we hope for to have actual contentment, actual meaningful relationship, to have trust with somebody that doesn't have to be guarded to protect myself, to have contentment regardless of my situation. Am I a believer on the mountains of Honduras? Am I a believer in the penthouse in Austin? 
I can have contentment because my contentment isn't the things the world has to offer. The hope that I have is not bound up in what the world has to offer. Pull the rug out from underneath my life. Does it crumble? If my hope is in Christ, it does not. Because my hope wasn't in those things to begin with. Right now, God has said, if you put your faith in Christ, his Holy Spirit puts his seal on your life, saying, you are no longer earning your way to be right with God, but I have made you right with myself. I have put my righteousness on you. And now I put my life within you. That is real hope. Real hope. So it went back to that purpose that we had. Why did God create us in the beginning? He created us in the image of God. As sinful people, we're not doing a very good job of being in the image of God. But what God is doing in us, there's something that's incredible and amazing. And you don't, you don't know how satisfying and joyful it is until you truly experience. But God lets his righteousness and his glory and his character show through you. Accomplishing that original purpose that we would in our lives be glorifying to God. And, and people see you at work and they go, what's wrong with you? You're happy. You're not supposed to be happy. Everyone's cursing and throwing things because the, the project deadline is way too, way too hard and everyone's not sleeping. And yet there's these believers scattered throughout that are still smiling. What's the difference? It's because they're just enjoying God, even in the midst of stress and pressure. Sometimes, honestly, in my own life, I start to pick up that old self again and say, well, if I'm really going get, to get through this, I got to get back to the way David knows how to do things. And I pick up the stress. I pick up the conflict I no longer sleep at night because I'm running through conversations and what I could have said and what I would have said and what I'm going to say. None of you have ever had that, right? But then, I, then, then God reminds me, that's not where your hope is at all. Your hope is in me. Rest in me. If you say the wrong thing, let me be the one to judge, God says. If someone does something against you and hurts you, God says, let me be the one to judge them. Do you realize what a pressure that puts off of us? If I don't have to stand up for myself against someone who's coming against me, that I can trust the almighty God, Jesus, who I am baptized into to be the one to be my advocate so that I can just worry about being his hands and feet and loving those around me, knowing that he's the one who's going to take up my case. And if for the case of Christ I find myself suffering, the Bible says to count that as joy because you are suffering with Christ, our Lord and Savior who went all the way to the cross for us. If we ever get to taste a little bit of that in the life of a believer who loves Christ, that is a joy. 
What does it cost us to follow Christ? I'm not going to try to say, oh, this is, this is uh, anything less than what it is to say, I want to convince you into the kingdom of God because you just need to know the truth. What it costs us on one hand is nothing because Christ did everything. He paid the price for my sin. It doesn't, I don't have to work. There's nothing I do to get into the kingdom of God. There's, a, there's nothing I can do. But on the other hand, it costs us everything. Because remember, what is the symbolism of baptism? My life now buried with Christ and put to death and, and God replacing it with a new life. So it costs me that old life that I don't want anyway. And then his free gift is a new life in Christ. What does it cost? Our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world have a much more um, substantial cost right in front of them when they choose to follow Christ. Uh, there was an article that came out this last week. Um, a missionary was, was recounting uh, some events from the past um, in Iran. And, uh, and he said, you know, within Islamic communities, baptism they think of more as the actual point of, of believing in Christ because for them, uh, the communities around them see baptism as that moment uh, when you go from being a, a, a follower of Muhammad to a follower of Christ. You went from Islam to Christianity in that moment. See, they, what it explained was that you can, you can explain away all sorts of other situations. You know, if, if you're found uh, reading a, a Christian Bible, you can say, well, I'm just studying it to, to, to battle against them and then say something good about Islam. And, 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 or if you're found in a church, you could say kind of the same thing. But you can't explain away baptism. Because in baptism... I'm very clearly identifying with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there was this event where a few weeks beforehand, the pastor, um, in the article they just call him Pastor H, uh, the, the pastor had been kidnapped and, and they were concerned that the persecution was on the rise again and they were concerned for his life. Um, so then there's this scene that the article describes where, where one of the leaders is there in the baptismal um, water and, and there's been this just historic event where there was 38 men and women, Muslim men and women, who, who had given their lives to Christ and they were ready to be baptized. And, and as he's there in the water, his wife comes to him with a look on her face and, and hands, hands him her phone and, he, and he, he, he talks on the phone and puts it down. Um, and this is what he says to his congregation. I'll read from the article. He said, Pastor H is dead. <laughs> Pastor H is dead, he relayed to the gathering. A Muslim friend of ours has just called to say that he watched as Pastor's body was taken from the back of a truck and buried in an unmarked grave. He said it was obvious that Pastor had been tortured before being killed. I am to meet him later. He will show me where the body is buried so that we can bring Pastor home. Your pastor is dead, the leader continued. The man who loved you enough to tell you about Jesus. Giving you the opportunity to eternal life. Has been killed because of his faith. This is the cost of following Jesus. Now I want to know, he said, addressing 
the new believers, are you ready to be baptized? Now that you have witnessed the cost of following Jesus, are you ready to be buried with him in baptism and raised to your new life in Christ? Not one of them left. Why? Because we have eternal life in Christ. You want to kill me? My life's already been, been put to death with Christ. You can't undo what I have in Christ and the hope that I have in Christ. How powerful that is. We don't face the same weight around following the Lord in baptism here in this culture. Praise the Lord, we have freedom to follow Christ openly without fear of persecution. At least not persecution like they have there. But it's no less serious, no less completely a life commitment to Christ in putting our faith in him. And when we are baptized, it's, it's a joyous occasion because we're saying, look, everyone, I, I am declaring, I'm, I'm declaring Christ as Lord of my life and I, and I want everyone else to know that my life has been buried with Christ and I have been raised to new life in him. I am part of his body now, a member of his body. Worship team, you can go ahead and come on up here. Listen, if you have more questions about what it is to put your faith in Christ, if you haven't got anything else from me, that's, that's the most important thing in my life. <laughs> and I want you to know. So if you have questions about that, uh, you, can, you can use the comment cards that we have and put them in there. We can contact you during the week. You can come and talk to me, talk to, talk to John, um, talk to Reuben. Um, it is the most important thing to us. It's, it is the hope that we have as a church. It's, as a ho it's the hope that we have as individuals in Christ. If you've never taken a step in baptism, you have surrendered your life to Christ, but, but baptism is never, something you've never done. Maybe you still have questions about it. We'd love to answer those questions. We are doing baptisms next week. Um, and we'd love, uh, love for you to be a part of that. Today is Resurrection Sunday. And as those who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a lot to celebrate. We have life in Christ. Life not by our own power, but by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This next song that we sing is all about that. Let's just worship God and celebrate and enjoy the power that we have in Christ this morning.
Father, thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we have in you. God, thank you for the life that we have in you. God, so much hopelessness around us, but God, you've put hope into our hearts, joy into our lives. God, help us to show that to those around us. We have so much to look forward to you, and we have so much that you're doing in our lives even now. God, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would work in the lives, in the families of everyone here. God, we want to know you better. We want to enjoy you better. We want the life that you have for us, not the life that we had before. God, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for the life that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.